You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. As you can see, I am wearing green in honor of the one day of the year when you don't have to be Irish to be Irish. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Well, I want to follow up my podcast from last week where I gave the biblical worldview um, for the rich out of Psalm 49. And today I want to follow that up and uh, say a few words out of Scripture about the poor. And, you know, poor is a fairly relative term. Um, We can all look around and find people who are uh, better off materially and financially than we are. We tend to think of ourselves as just a little bit poorer than they are. And being poor in a third world country is quite a bit different from being poor in, say, a first world country. Um, And Jesus said there would always be the poor among us. Proverbs, a wisdom book here in Scripture, um, gives many reasons for being poor. And we could list um, probably quite a long list of reasons for being poor. But one thing we should note is that Scripture gives hope to the poor. The Bible gives hope to the poor, and it's been said that there are two streams running through Scripture in regards to wealth and prosperity. Um, Two streams. There's a very narrow stream that reassures the rich and distresses the poor. So you find that a little bit here in Proverbs. There is some benefit to material gain, and at least here in this life, Uh, Wealth and material gain can buy you some level of security and some level of comfort uh, and care. And so that's the one narrow stream that runs through Scripture. But then there's a very wide stream that runs through Scripture that distresses the rich and reassures the poor. And so there's a lot more comfort and a lot more reassurance for the poor than for the rich. And one thing we know is that God cares for the poor. God cares for and has compassion on people because of their misery. And probably the best example of that is that God sent his very son, Jesus Christ, um, to come to this earth and to die for us because he knew that we were poor and wretched and miserable in our sins. And so he reached out to help us. Uh, But Jesus himself, when he came, he was of the poorest in Galilee. You know, Jesus uh, didn't come and uh, be born among the richest um, in society. He actually came and was born among the poor. And we know that because uh, when Mary went to the temple after Jesus' birth, um, she offered Uh, two turtle doves or two pigeons, which was the substitute for poor people who couldn't afford a lamb for the sacrifice. So Mary uh, was poor, and she offered the the lesser uh, sacrifice for the poor. And uh, Jesus, you know, later on in his ministry, at least in part, shared a message of the reversal of fortunes. He came along and taught that uh, the humble will be exalted, and the poor will be blessed. And so he had a word of hope and comfort to the poor, particularly those who are poor in spirit, he said, will be blessed. And uh, it's interesting to know that God's family, 
here in Scripture, God's family, those who know God and who have Jesus Christ as their Savior, this family is one of the few, if not the only place in the world where rich and poor can fellowship together. Where else in the world um, are rich and poor brought together as equals to share um, and to uh, fellowship and to befriend one another. You just don't see it out in society, but in the church, in God's family, you do have this. The gospel brings together rich and poor alike and in some way melds them together. And the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament that a man should work in order that he might have to give to those who are in need. And so... I've barely scratched the surface, but there are many places in Scripture where the Lord reassures um, the poor. And in fact, uh, James said that true religion and undefiled is to help um, the widows and the fatherless, widows and orphans in this world. And in this world, there is actually very little hope for generational or perpetual poverty Okay, there are some programs out there to help people, but when you think of generational poverty or generational perpetual poverty, there's very little hope. Poor people don't have much hope. That's why they go out and play the lottery. They're hoping for that big win because they don't see really any other option for getting out of their poverty. But in Christ, there is hope. There's hope for the poor. And I want to share that once more out of Psalm 49. And so I have my Bible open here to Psalm 49. And as I shared last week, verses 1 through 4 is an introduction um, to this poem that we have in Psalm 49. And verse 2, actually verse 1 says, Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. And so we shared some truths here for the rich, which I addressed last week, and there are also some words that he shares here for the poor, which I will now address. But um, he gives us this riddle in verse 20. And verse 20 says, Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. And so he puts this riddle out there of for us to contemplate how is it that um, a rich man and his wealth can um, go to the grave and die just like the beast of the field who has no understanding and basically die without anything. And uh, that is true of the rich. But this riddle is shown in a completely different light if we bring in the idea of redemption. And that's really the answer, I think, to the riddle, is that um, a man doesn't die with nothing if he is redeemed. And then we see here in the first stanza of the psalm in verses 5 through 12, which I've already shared last week, it's that a, a rich man's wealth will not redeem him and cannot redeem him. <clears throat> and this is good news for poor people. Because poor people don't have riches. And so if, if redemption was purchased with material gain, all the poor people would 
just be out of luck. It would only be the rich people in heaven. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to have a huge bank account or spend your life savings um, redeeming your soul um, from sin and from death? And so that is somewhat of good news for people. It's not by material wealth that we get redemption. But the psalmist talks about this coming day of evil. He says, he asks the question, wherefore should I fear in the days of evil? And he's talking about um, old age. He's talking about an untimely death. He's talking about the day of reckoning or the day of judgment. And everyone on this earth is going to die, and everyone is going to stand before God in judgment. And so the days of evil come on the rich and the poor alike. And what does this mean for the poor? Well, one thing we can say is that the poor are already better positioned to receive God's redemption. That's because poor people, if you're poor, you don't have the wealth to trust in. And as I noted last week, uh, the rich inherently trust in their riches. And so that already sets the rich people in a severe disadvantage for receiving God's redemption. Uh, Poor people don't have that handicap. Um, They don't have the riches to trust in. And so poor people more readily, more easily trust in God for redemption rather than in wealth which they don't have. And so, you know, Jesus, he went to the poor. He often preached to the poor, and he had great response. He was well-liked among the poor. And so the poor are better positioned spiritually. And Scripture teaches us that wealth and prosperity are inherently dangerous spiritually. In one sense, you should be glad if you're not one of the mega-rich, if you're not ultra-rich, you know, if you're just an average Joe uh, living kind of the, uh, at the average level, you ought to be thankful because, um, because wealth and prosperity are dangerous spiritually. Well, then we come to stanza 2, and the theme of stanza 2 in verses 13 through 20 of Psalm 49 is the message to trust in God, not in wealth. And so in verses 13 and 14, the psalmist is personifying um, death as a shepherd who lead the foolish to the grave where their glory and their beauty will rot. He said, death shall feed on them. But then we come to a startling claim about redemption in verse 15. And he says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. What a statement of confidence for the psalmist, who I don't think was a rich man, just judging by what he wrote. If he was a rich man, he wasn't trusting in his riches. And he, with confidence, he said, but God will redeem my soul. So what an utter contrast The evil rich are being led to the grave by death as a shepherd, leading them to rot in the grave. And it says in very vivid language, death shall feed on them. They're going to rot in the grave. There's nothing for them after death except for God's judgment. 
But this man, without any mention of riches, says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. And so this is hope for this common dilemma of why should I fear? The message is that we shouldn't, but rather trust in God who will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. And he will redeem the righteous. And the reality is that the rich and the poor and everyone in between are all in the same proverbial boat. Um, All are in need of redemption to save them from death. So whatever your economic standing is, you are in need of redemption to save you from death. That's the poor as well as the rich. The difference is that the poor are better positioned to receive it. And then we have here in Scripture a common teaching, and Jesus taught it, but it's role reversal. And what we find is the oppressed poor will have dominion over the foolish in the next life. And so note verse 14. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. What he says here in verse 4 is that the upright will be redeemed, and the oppressed poor will have dominion over the foolish dead in the next life. Those who were underfoot and little esteemed in this life, poor people who are trampled on by wealthy people and exploitative people, they, those who are little esteemed in this life will rise up to reign. And in verse 14, we have this beautiful picture of resurrection. He says, And the upright shall have dominion over them. They will rule over the foolish, evil rich in the, in the life to come. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. The morning here is an allusion to resurrection. And so are you poor? Are you destitute? Do you wish you were better off financially? The hope of Scripture is that no matter how miserable and poor you are in this life, seek God, receive his redemption, and in the life to come, you will resurrect, you will rise up in the morning, in contrast to the evil rich who trust in their wealth. So what are you trusting in? If you don't have wealth to trust in, what do you trust in? God's word says, trust in God to receive this redemption and the promise of eternal life and resurrection. And this is hope for the poor and the rich alike. And so the righteous will arise in the morning to eternal light. This is a metaphor of life. But the evil wealthy will descend into eternal darkness. And so regardless of your economic standing, you need to be redeemed. That is your only hope.
And you know, when the psalmist wrote this, Jesus had not yet come. But now here we are about 3,000 years later, and we're looking back, and we can see how this redemption of, in God's plan unfolded. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And by the way, it says here in verse 8 of Psalm 49, he says, For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. The redemption of your soul is precious to God. Do you realize that your soul is of infinite worth? It's valuable and very precious to God. And he purchased your redemption, not with gold and silver that's found here on earth, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary. You see, Jesus Christ became the sacrificial lamb to pay for your sins and mine. And he became the sacrifice that God required, the sacrifice to pay the price to redeem us out of our sin and out of eternal death and to give us life and resurrection. And so God has given you the gift of Jesus Christ, and he's calling on you to trust in him. Hey, if you don't have wealth to trust in, why not trust Jesus Christ? This is the ultimate promise of rescue from from, uh, poverty and from misery. It's the promise of eternal life and eternal bliss with God. What better hope can there be for a poor person? And the message is still the same, whether you're, you're rich or poor. It's The message of Psalm 49 is seek wisdom, not riches. And you know, there's no better place to seek wisdom than in a Bible preaching and teaching church. And we at the Navin Baptist Fellowship meet every week at the Clonard House in Market Square. And if you live in the Navin area, come and join us. I would love to show you from the Bible how you can be redeemed simply by trusting God and not by material gain. And come and seek wisdom with us and lay up rewards and riches for the life to come. I'll look forward to seeing you. Oh